this is yet another treat for us. Mr. H is with us from Marillion and of course the brand new album coming out March 4th, an hour before it's dark, set to be released via ear music. And of course the lead off track is out now, Be Hard On Yourself. I guess tell us, you know, with so much going on in the world right now, you capture a lot of that on this record, I understand. Uh, what was it like to to approach uh, this, this album and how is that approach different from uh, previous records? Well, um, I mean, first of all, I was trying for all I was worth not to write about the pandemic. That was that was rule number one. Mustn't yeah. write about that because ev everybody else is going to be writing about it and everybody's going to be sick of it by the time the record comes out. So that was um, forbidden. And yet, um, as I got as we sort of got going on it, um, and time passed, just about every, every, not every lyric, but most of the lyrics I wrote just ended up referencing it because mm. that was the reality. You know, the, 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 there, there have been there's two issues facing the world at the moment. One is, one is the climate crisis and the other is the pandemic. And so whatever I wrote about, because I tend to write... Um, I'm not a calculate a calculating lyricist. I just write about what I feel. Yeah. And because I was writing about what I felt, then then in in came the worries about the planet, and in came the pandemic, and so there was no stopping it. Be hard on yourself is really, um, you know, a reflection of that realization that we're going to have to live in a different way pretty soon and we're going to have to get our heads out of this mindset that that luxury is success and vice versa um and you know we, we can't just keep wanting the next shiny thing in order to prove that we're worth something uh, that, that there must be better ways to prove that we're worth something than, than the car we drive or which model of iPhone we're carrying. The title of the album, uh, Steve, or H, um, An Hour Before It's Dark, is that kind of a reference to how close we are to complete chaos? Or do you think we're already there? Well, I, I, I think... You know, the naturalists are telling us that there's still time, but we've got to do something radical. Hmm. Um, so there there are solutions and uh, people are pretty smart on the whole. And, and when when a when a desperate solution is demanded of human beings, there's always some smart, smart ass somewhere will come up with it. <laughs> um, but um you know, we have to get on with it and we have to be prepared to live differently, to spend the money. Um, an hour before it's dark is a reference really to, 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 to a planet on the precipice. It's also a reference to what a lot of people have been through. It's a reference to mortality. And the fact that none of us know how much time we've got left. It doesn't matter how old, how young we are, how fit and healthy we are. We don't know. We might, we might have till the end of the week, you know, a truck might hit us. Um, so it's worth, especially at my age, um, 
you know, you start to contemplate your mortality a little bit more than you do when you're young. And, you know, when, when you're, I mean, I'm 65 now, so I'm kind of sick of writing love songs. And I, that's not really where I am in my life anymore. Um, I want to try and write something broader than that and something that ultimately is, uh, is more worthwhile. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'll leave the love songs to the kids. I'll, I'll, I'll try and give the world the benefit of my great wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> this was the secret world. Uh, this is or, uh, not a secret world, the real world studios, right? This is uh, Peter Gabriel's uh, studio. I mean, what was it like to work in, in such a facility like this? And, and did Peter even stop by at times? No, I've, I've, um, we have our own studio. So mm. the way, oh, okay. and the way we normally work is that, we do all of that. We do the we, we we do the jams in our studio. We work on the jams. We start arranging the songs in our studio, and we we work the songs up to a point where we feel that they're really in a shape that we're happy with. Mm. And then we and we've done this for the last two or three albums. We then book a week down at Real World. Okay, and we go we go there. And we record there and we live together and we just immerse ourselves in it 24 seven. The, the problem we've got having our own studio is that we drive to it every day. We all have lives, you know, and, and families and, and uh, so we come home at night for tea. Um, we can't really have a glass of wine or anything at the studio because we've got to drive home. And so some days you feel like, am I still a musician or am I in a firm of accountants or architects or something? What happened? You know, it's like going to the office. So the chance to get away to a studio where you can live together and, you know, and then maybe have a couple of glasses of wine over dinner and go back into the studio and do one of those jams that you can only really do if you're not quite sober <laughs> and throw the yeah. throw those into the into the pot as well um real world is amazing it's like a the, the control room is like a cathedral of technology mm. it's the only way i can describe wow. it it's like a cathedral of the best technology mm. um the microphone amps and you know the mic vintage mics just just state state of the art from every age um, and it's a beautiful space, but it's a great acoustic space as well. Everything sounds great in there. Sounds really natural. Um, so it's it's a great place to go and work. And we 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 sort of treat ourselves um, to go there. You know, it becomes it becomes the thing we aim for the whole time we're working on the songs, mm. and we we like to come back from there feeling okay. Now we're kind of ready to mix. Mm. Um, but I've not run into Peter in uh, real world. He doesn't go there much now because he moved to London. Mm. But um, if you want, do you want my Peter Gabriel story? Sure, when, please. Absolutely. When I was, uh, when, I was when I was in How We Live, uh, which was the, the band after the Europeans, we made that record in Bath uh, in, in town. And we worked with a producer called David Lord, 
and he'd produced one of Peter's records, um, the one with um, San Jacinto on it and Shock the Monkey. Mm. Um, which one was that? Number four, S- I think. Security. Security, yep. Yeah, yep. does it have a name? And, uh, and, and so he, he was still pretty close to Peter, and, and we kept borrowing things from Peter. We thought we were, we thought we were renting them, but he never sent <laughs> us an invoice. So we slowly discovered we weren't renting them, we were borrowing them. And I took, um, I borrowed a thing called an emulator from, from there, and we had some AMS uh, reverbs and effects. And I went, I went back up to his house with them to take them back one day. And he, um, he was there. And, and uh, so I said, oh, hi, uh, I brought you this stuff, but I really appreciate you loaning it to us. And he said, oh, just put it in the studio. He put it in the studio. And he had a studio. This was before he made Real World. Uh, he had a studio that was just in, in the barn, a converted barn at the back of this house. And that had a big SSL desk in it. And he was just finishing off the Soul album and they just mixed Red Rain. Wow. And he said, oh, we've just finished mixing a, a track. Would you like to hear it? My gosh. I said, yeah, wow. go on then. And... Um, <laughs> So we we stood together, and I think I was the first person outside of the, you know, the band and the producer to ever hear Red Rain. Oh, it's amazing! Uh, come out of the speakers, standing next to Peter, you know, hearing Stuart Copeland's. I said, "Is that Stuart Copeland?" He went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, Stuart Copeland." I, I thought it was. Um, just uh, you know, and then he said at the end, "What do you think?" And I'm like, well, not bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite wow. songs ever. It's a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so then I went, I went back to his house about six months later because we were back in Bath doing a 12-inch remix of the song. And I went back there again to take something else back. And he was there again, and, and he invited me into his kitchen, and we had a cup of coffee, and he, he, he asked me if I'd like something to eat, but I, I, I'd eaten, so I didn't. We were just talking about life and the universe, and I said, oh, I, I, I hear you, you've had Joni Mitchell working in here. And he said, oh, yeah, she just left this morning about an hour ago. I said, mm. you're fucking joking. Oh I'll kill myself to meet Joni Mitchell, you know, and I just missed her. And um, Sledgehammer had just gone in the chart in England mm. at about number 18 or something or 17. And uh, I said to him, well, you, I said, Peter, you're going to have a hit. And he went, Oh, well, it's only gone in at 17. Probably drop out again next week. I mean, he really had no idea that he was about to have the biggest record of his life. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He didn't in, know. In the uh, video, yeah, the, the signature video and all of that. Yeah, it's a great amazing. video. That's amazing. So that's, that's my piece of Gabriel's story. I love what it. Amazing story. That's an amazing story. What an amazing story. <laughs> I love that what album. That- the, he's the a lovely Mitchell. man. I don't know if you've interviewed him, but he's the loveliest man. He, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's, he's, he's a really special human being. Yeah. yeah, he would love to. Yeah, that's our dream, one of our dream interviews. Yeah! <laughs>
Hi, everybody. This is Rob Halford. The Moody Sergeant. Hi, this is Steve Hackett. You folks, this is Rick Emmett of Triumph. And we're talking rock with Dave and Shane. Hey!